Welcome to the Cork Creative Podcast. With this podcast, we hope to promote local creative businesses and people. Cork Creative is approaching its two-year anniversary. We've had over 25 guests in the podcast, from artists to authors, distillers to declutterers, and many more interesting characters who have chatted to us about the highs and lows of their journeys to now. With that in mind, we felt it was important for the two hosts of the show, myself, Geraldine Hennessy, and Patrick Kiley, to share our experience of creating this podcast. So we discussed the background of Cork Creative, why we do it, what we learned from it, and where we hope to go with it. This is Cork Creative, the journey so far. So, Patrick, how did Cork Creative come about? Cork Creative started out as, I suppose, a very nascent idea that rather than flux learning, paying for digital marketing, rather than it giving money for Google AdWords or Facebook ads or that, that we would build resources, that we would support the local community and that we would work at a more grassroots level where we are and we would support our local community while also developing our own digital skills and let the assets, as in the podcasts for Core Creative, be social proof of what we can do. And being social proof of what we can do, they can be used as a recruitment tool or an advertising tool for our bona fides, our skill set in audio editing and in time video editing. And how did you choose the name? <laughs> I'm not sure I can take full credit for choosing the name. Um, <laughs> um, maybe it's the fact that I majored in English and I have a fascination with alliteration. I'm not sure. <laughs> I suppose I wanted, we wanted to look at creative types and that was something certainly when you came on board that you wanted to focus on as mm-hmm. well. So we wanted to focus on people who were doing creative things, be it in the creative arts or in creative businesses. So there was that element for sure. But beyond that, then we're looking at alliteration. And then, of course, you took the branding you went all in on the branding and developed the visual identity for it, which was frankly over and above what I was intellectually capable of. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I suppose it was a, a good way for me when I started with working with Flux, I suppose as an introduction to the company, this became one of my first roles was trying to get Cork Creative up and running as such. Just coming up with the um, identity for Cork Creative, we had to come up with the logo and kind of some sort of a color scheme behind it so we went all out there with the red and white for cork but um (laughs) just stick to the roots (laughs) definitely not liverpool (laughs) i used it as a way to train myself in various different things one of the first pieces of software that i used was canva which Mm -hmm. has been touched on actually a lot by various guests that we have interviewed over the last two years the use of Canva and that it's quite a usable kind of design thing for various different social media posts, for paper publications of various descriptions. So I found that quite useful just to kind of help me to kind of get my head around the use of Canva. So that was great from that point of view. When we speak about Canva, it's a publishing platform, but it's also a publishing platform that replaces perhaps 90% of the work that you might conceivably do in more complex software like Photoshop and Illustrator. Software which, while fantastic, objectively, and Flux is licenses for those too, and we use those with clients. But for a lot of what we do, we don't need that level of advanced functionality Mm. and the learning curve for some of those softwares are is very steep, whereas the learning curve for Canva is much shallower and it's a much easier introduction into mm. graphic design. You can realize your vision, I suppose, of what you're looking to design an awful lot faster. Yeah. Mm. So I like Canva from that point of view. And then 
one of the main things, I suppose, was designing the website behind Cork Creative because well, our viewpoint was you're nothing really without a website. Well, we're nothing uh, as a podcast without a website. Um, needs a home. Exactly. <laughs> so we had to design the website for the Flux website. We'd use Squarespace. And we were deciding, I suppose, whether or not to use that again or to go somewhere else. And we actually decided to go with the WordPress um, site because there are some limitations with Squarespace. For sure. And WordPress with the Elementor Pro as a plugin and with the two of them combined are, are quite a powerful tool. And you can do a lot very easily in WordPress. And I felt. And I still feel it's a lot easier to use uh, WordPress as opposed to, to Squarespace. And um, hopefully we'll at some point get our Flux website over to, <laughs> to Squarespace, no, I mean, from Squarespace onto WordPress as well, just to make life a little bit easier. I mean, I still like Squarespace. <laughs> it's not, we're not going to beat up on Squarespace, yeah. but Squarespace provides a much more structured approach to yeah. how you'd build a website and they have their templates and their templates are fantastic. But it is more restrictive by the nature mm. of the fact that it's template driven than something like WordPress, which basically opens up the world of plugins and much greater extensibility and functionality. Mm. Given what we're doing now with podcasts, given what we're doing with online learning bootcamp, our LMS and various other elements, it stands to reason that we will move to WordPress because our functionality has to an extent outgrown Squarespace. Mm -hmm. But if we needed a simple portfolio site yeah. or if a client needed a simple portfolio site, we'd still probably recommend Squarespace because it's easier to maintain mm. for those who aren't as initiated into mm -hmm. web design. But it's still good to be able to have the skills to, to deal with both. I suppose, again, that was another training for me was to try and learn how to build a website in WordPress. And I found that very good. I learned an awful lot just about accessibility and, and various things just by building the website. And then I was trying to come up with how we were going to structure the website and all that. And then the next thing was to decide on the hosting site actually for Cork Creative. So we looked at a few options, both the free options in terms of Anchor and then also paid versions. And we actually went for Podbean in the end. So Patrick, you might discuss a little bit about, about Podbean. Or I mean, with Podbean, what it gave us was more granular control over our podcast mm -hmm. and better analytics. So we know where we're getting our listens. We know whether the listens are coming from Apple Podcasts, whether they're coming from Spotify. We're not locked into the Spotify ecosystem, to in which to an extent you are with Anchor, as Anchor is owned by Spotify. Mm -hmm. So we have some more control over our brand, I suppose, or how mm. we present our brand. And we can upload in higher resolution files, whereas Anchor is limited to MP3 uploads at the entry level. So we have used Anchor and with some of our clients, we have used Anchor and it's very user friendly, but definitely for Core Creative and for any future podcast, we would use Podbean or we'd use an equivalent mm -hmm. service because of the granularity and the more advanced controls it offers us effectively. And you do like your analytics, don't you, Patrick? <laughs> it's a quantitative word. <laughs> Um, but when you need evidence to show that something is working, you need to know how many eyeballs are on the thing, yeah. or in this case, eardrums are yeah. on the thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you need that, otherwise you have no evidence of mm -hmm. impact or reach. And you need that, otherwise you're flying blind. Yeah, okay, okay. And I suppose then the next thing we did after um, coming up with or deciding on using Podbeam, we had to come up with our very important guests. So 
Patrick lined up um, our first guest stroke guinea pig in victim in the line of um, Carabelle, an author and a good friend of us here in Flux. And to be fair, she was very good with our time. And we learned a lot through the recording of that first podcast and also the editing and publication of it. It was the starting point for the rest of the podcast going forward. And then we kind of stuck to people initially that we kind of knew or knew of in our, our local area because we're both from Clonakilty. So well, it's more of a blow in to be fair. Well, yeah, but you're Clan Kilty now, so uh, you've lived here for long enough. So we stuck to Clan Kilty for the initial few people. My brother was the second guest, so we really kept it close to the family. Since then, we've really have tried to go further afield, and that's is one of the future plans, I suppose, is is to try and get more areas, not just down in West Cork, but more up in the city more in East Cork and North Cork and the various different parts of Cork. To be fair, it's a massive county. And the biggest county. Well, exactly. The uh, best county. <laughs> the best county. And there's so many creative people and people doing creative businesses in the county. So um, we really want to exploit that because there's a lot of people out there that we can interview. In terms of coming up with the guest idea, it could be quite random as and I could just see something in a shop window, I was actually doing another podcast out in Dunmanway in Brook Park and I saw a few artists had displayed their work. So I literally took pictures on my phone and uh, they went on to my little spreadsheet and uh, we followed up like that. And we got a few guests like that. It's sometimes people contact us to ask to appear on the show and sometimes we approach them. And it's always been, to be fair, very positive. I suppose just it doesn't cost people anything in terms of money other than costing them their time and people seem very eager and happy to participate, which is great. I suppose though it's particularly with the pandemic and not to mention that particular yeah. keyword, but it had did alter the participation somewhat yeah. and we have good relationships with local hotels and with the local hubs like the Ludgate Hub or Brook Park where we could do interviews. Mm. But with the pandemic, of course, all the interviews are online, which presents its own technical challenges. And mm. we used tools to try and maximize the audio quality. But ultimately, you have less control over the guest space. You have less control over your own space sometimes when you're recording in less than optimal circumstances. So I suppose we learned an awful lot more about audio editing than we probably wanted to. <laughs> but we're now much better at dealing with the challenges yeah. and recognizing the challenges early. So it helped us make us more resilient as a podcast, I suppose. But now, thankfully, as we are emerging from the pandemic, there's more face to face podcasts returning and mm. we're going to guest premises or we're going back to the likes of the Fernhill House Hotel or we're going back to the hubs to record podcasts. And it's better to see the guest face to face and face to face and in person. And it makes for a more, I suppose, dynamic and engaging podcast interview. Yeah, the problem is I'm a bit of a chatter and I need to do other work. And sometimes the chat can go on a bit. So <laughs> that's where the editing comes in. Yeah, edit, edit, edit. <laughs> so that's how we kind of came up with the guests. And then in terms of editing, we decided to use Audition um, to edit our podcast. It's always a learning curve. So at the moment, we're actually trying to use um, a new tool, Descript, to try and speed up the process because it's all about making the process as efficient as possible, but without reducing the quality on the audio. For sure. But I suppose the other advantage with Descript is that it gives us maybe a more streamlined audio workflow because you're effectively editing from within the audio transcript. 
but it also gives you the audio transcript, mm -hmm. which means from a podcast point of view, we are now will be that much more accessible in that we will have the transcript available on our website and mm -hmm. that would be there for each of the podcasts. It will make the podcast that much more searchable because yeah. the text will be there for the web crawlers from Google to go through as well as just the audio recording, yeah. which isn't necessarily indexed by Google to the same extent. Mm -hmm. So it's... Um, it's a virtuous circle, but um, it's certainly, it's a, it's a tool that we're using and we're quite excited about the advanced functionality it offers. Yeah, so yeah. Very good. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick, we don't get paid for doing this, so why do we do it? <laughs> um, because I'm shockingly naive. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's a good thing to do from the point of view of local business. I suppose we are a virtual company in that we exist online. We are both remote working. I'm working from home. You're working from home. Mm -hmm. The subcontractors and the other folk who work with us are geographically distributed, shall we say. They're in Scotland. They're in Canada. They're further afield. Mm -hmm. So this gives us an opportunity to meet with local business people. It gives us an opportunity to meet with local creative types. It gives us an opportunity to network. So from our standpoint, that's positive. It also gives the, our guests an opportunity to put their businesses forward in the best possible light. Mm -hmm. and it gives us an opportunity to hone our skills. Mm -hmm. So just as you built Core Creative and built the SOPs for Core Creative, your SOPs have now informed the training of two other audio editors in mm -hmm. how they approach the editing of the podcasts. Mm -hmm. And we're not just editing podcasts. We're a digital learning company, so we're editing audio for voiceover, for online learning. We're editing audio for video recording, for complex medical and clinical mm -hmm. scenarios. So we've taken that skill set that we've learned from podcasting and we've deployed it in multiple settings. Mm -hmm. We've also helped with the launch of an additional podcast with SHSS Podcasts mm. in Clonakilty, run out of the Sacred Heart Secondary School in Clonakilty uh, with Carabell. So it's given us an extended skill set. Mm -hmm. So And it's also given us that social proof I mentioned earlier. Mm. People ask what we do or people ask what we've done. We can point to the podcasts. People can listen to the podcast. They're there as evidence of our skills and our growing familiarity with podcasts mm -hmm. and our experience in the field. It's actually a question that a lot of people ask me and they seem quite <laughs> obsessed with it in terms of like, where, where'd you get your money? You know, where, where'd you make your money on it? We don't make money out of the podcast directly. It's very indirectly. But the learning that you can get from something, doing something like this is invaluable for say like the online learning courses that we've built. Mm. It's been essential and it makes that part of my work a lot easier because I'm doing a lot of editing for the podcast. Everything is so fresh and I have the um, SOPs in place that I can refer back to when I need them. And it just keeps everything fresh and up to date in my own brain. And I need that. Everyone needs mm. that. I mean, I've been an instructional designer for a decade or more now, unfortunately, and I'm aging myself as I speak. <laughs> but with that, though, we've all undertaken training courses and we've walked out of the training course and we've been almost high with the possibilities of what we could do with this particular piece of software. But mm. we don't have a project or a tool yeah. or we don't have a task to do with that software or with that particular practice for a while. And if we do come back to it a month, six weeks later, it's stale. We yeah. need to almost go back and revisit the recording yeah. of the training or we need to go back to our notes and everything becomes more of a struggle. With this, our auto editing skills have been front and center and they've been honed and used repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And as I said, we've trained other people in the SOPs now. So the SOPs are almost a living document that are mm. being refined and honed as new pieces of software come along. We use Audition. Now we use a combination of Audition and Descript. Mm -hmm. Who knows what will come next? Yeah. We're receptive, I suppose, to the next tool or the next thing yeah. that can help us refine or gain efficiency in the process. Mm. 
And as you said as well, like with networking, meeting other business people, that's very kind of important. And Mm -hmm. you learn as well a lot. Well, I've learned a lot from talking to other business people about the businesses that they've set up and their approach and, and their mistakes that they've made. People have been very honest about what they've learned from making mistakes. And I've learned a lot from just talking to them. And I hope other people have learned as well from sure. listening to our podcast, you know, talking the about definition the definition of expertise is the person <laughs> that's made all the mistakes there are to make in a narrow field. So I'm still searching for expertise. <laughs> I know. Me, me too, Patrick. <laughs> Patrick, what are the plans for Core Creative? Well, you've outlined some of them already, George. Mm. So the one plan would be to expand, I suppose, the geographical reach to the rest of Cork. Mm-hmm. So to broaden the scope a little bit beyond West Cork and to bring in a more... Uh, diverse panel of guests. From the point of view of the podcast itself, I suppose we're looking to gain additional listenership and Mm -hmm. to refine our own learnings. And part of this episode, which self-serving though it may be, is a kind of an opportunity for us to reflect on what we've done, what has been done, and to kind of give us a kind of a reference point of what we're planning for the future Mm. could be. But more interviews, more networking, more guests, but also, as we spoke about, that refined process mm-hmm. and refining that process. And when Flux Learning refines that process, we're refining it not just for core creative, but we're refining it for any client that we have who's going to be engaging in medical training or education or anyone who's doing anything in digital education. The learnings that we have there will translate into that area as well. Mm. It filters down through all of Flux ultimately. Mm. And that's what we're looking to maintain. And that's what we hope to maintain over the next year and more. Mm. Well, we need to try and make it more sustainable, I suppose. It's been a challenge trying to make the time for it because obviously the paid work has to take precedence. So I suppose it's about trying to make it more sustainable in terms of that we can do it more consistently. Podcast publishing a little bit like YouTube publishing or anything, it rewards kind of frequency and persistence. Mm. So if you can keep to a regular schedule and if you can publish a podcast every couple of weeks or if you can publish a podcast weekly, then that will be rewarded more by the algorithms, the powers, that mm. the new gods in our digital lives, the algorithm. <laughs> but I suppose we are looking to technology to help us with this as well. Mm. And we have used roadcasters or equivalent of that. Shout out to road and roadcasters. We've had the roadcaster one. And we've used that to good effect, although we have been, I suppose, maybe we've been excessively possessive over the editing process and we Mm. haven't really used the onboard processing capabilities of those devices. So now we're lucky enough to have a Rodecaster 2 and that has a great deal of onboard editing capabilities. So I think what we will have in time is more of a streamlined workflow whereby all of the processing, all of the editing will largely be done on the device. And we'll be able to almost publish what comes from the roadcaster. Mm. The, 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 the output or the mix down track will be what will go to Podbean or mm. what will go to Core Creative. We're not going to be involved in a complex edit afterwards ourselves. Yeah. Again, as you said previously, without compromising on quality, yeah. but just gaining that efficiency. There are obviously lessons that we have learned and not all of them are positive. So there have been some errors, rudimentary otherwise, that we've made or things we'd like to improve and have improved upon since. So the need for consistency is really key. And with a podcast, there's an expectation from your listenership that you're going to be publishing at a schedule. And Mm. we haven't always met that schedule. And that's down to the fact that other paid work and client work has intruded Mm -hmm. (laughs) upon our corporate social responsibility project. So on that basis, we've put in place workflows to make sure that we always have a couple of podcasts done in advance. 
so that we have the opportunity to overcome those blips with a little bit more grace than we have done um, heretofore. So we've learned in terms of our scheduling to overcome that. From a technical standpoint, the pandemic, again, when we speak about the challenges, it's the challenges of recording remotely, of not being able to give the in-person advice to someone in terms of how they set up their own Mm. podcast, how they set up their own room, how they set themselves up for the podcast. That has been a challenge. And even just the standard, I know broadband provision is improving in Ireland, but as evidenced by some of our podcasts, it's not improving fast enough. And broadband provision is still, particularly in rural Ireland and particularly in West Cork, it's still not what it should be. And that has obviously impacted on the quality of some of our podcasts as well. It's quite frustrating as someone who is subjected to um, poor broadband. Let's just have like a basic, like decent consistent broadband at least. Well, decent is too subjective. I I would prefer to define it in terms of uh, a a precise figure. And I think gigabit broadband for everyone should be a minimum requirement at this point. That would be Um, be nice. When I think about it from my perspective, the fact that I'm living in Clantown and we're fortunate enough to just before the pandemic that was installed. I mean, that was a game changer in terms Mm. of what the capabilities of Flux were. Prior to gigabit fiber arriving, Netflix being turned on by the kids downstairs would be enough to impede my Zoom Mm. calls. Whereas then we were running large events with 200, 220 attendees Mm -hmm. and we're running those from an upstairs office, knowing that the broadband was going to be secure enough Mm -hmm. to work throughout. And during homeschool and everything else during the pandemic, it just drove home the fact that broadband provision is absolutely critical. And it's something that needs to be improved for sure. Definitely. And what are you most excited about? I suppose the potential for it. The potential for Core Creative is what excites me because ultimately there's a lot of untapped potential with it. I think there's an awful lot, as you mentioned, an awful lot of creative Mm -hmm. folk in Cork. There's an awful lot more people we can reach and it doesn't always have to be kind of a one-on-one interview style podcast. Potentially in time, we could have more roundtable discussions where people can pool their knowledge Mm -hmm. and share from their common mistakes or their common experiences. There's a great deal of potential and the potential is what excites me. Mm-hmm. And also, I suppose, the potential downstream benefits for Flux Learning in terms of our workflows, in terms yeah. of audio and everything in future. So that obviously helps because it makes our organization, it makes Flux the company more efficient. Mm-hmm. That's good mm-hmm. too. I suppose from my point of view, that what excites me most is about meeting more people because I really have enjoyed that part of the podcast, meeting the various different people. And we've had some crack over the episodes. <laughs> And sometimes I have to just calm myself down a little bit because I generally get really excited talking to these people because you can learn a lot. They are quite remarkable. Their businesses are like their babies and the work that they put in, you know, it's relentless and they're really passionate about what they do. It's great to see and it's great to be able to talk to them about it. So It's great to be able to give them a platform to speak about what they have done because I think we're sometimes we're too slow to speak about what we have done. Definitely. At the end of the day, we can roll our eyes to heaven and say, I wasn't efficient enough today or mm. didn't do enough today. But it's important to look at what you did do that day or what exactly. you did do that week or look at it in a kind of a broader arc. And our podcasts have given people that, I suppose, lens to look at what they've done previously. And the questions have uncovered that for people. And I hope that's been of benefit to them. You know, we're just giving hopefully them a platform to maybe do other interviews, other podcasts and get themselves out there. For sure. Just to say to all of our listeners, thanks for uh, tuning in or whatever the podcast equivalent is, subscribing, that's it. <laughs> and we commit to having more podcasts at a more regular schedule, hopefully publishing fortnightly into 2023 and beyond. For anyone who would like to come on and be part of our podcast, you can find more details on our Contact Us page on corkcreative.ie.